Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Storytime Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm a professional trucker and this thing that I saw was so creepy, you won't believe me. I live near Warren, one of those cities where downtown is the only part with actual businesses and the rest is a gridlock system of cheap homes. One night I was helping a friend of mine and a group of people install new chairs into our local movie theater since we all know the owner and because of this we were out pretty late. We got out of the chair installation activity at around 2 in the morning and drove to McDonald's where when we walked in we saw all the staff in back room having an actual straight up orgy. This isn't remotely important to the story but I thought it was pretty funny so there you go. Obviously we did not get our McDonald's so we all parted ways and went driving to our respective homes. As I was driving through one of the grids of houses I stopped at one of the stop signs and looked down the dark road to my left and then my right. Each intersection in the grid has a single yellow-orange light perched above it and below the one at the far intersection I saw a young child who I can only assume was around 13 with some other girl who looked pretty close to them holding their hand, she looked about 20. I didn't really think anything of this because although it was late my sister and I have a close relationship and late night walks in the dark aren't really uncommon in my family. My family is directly descended from the Hungarian gypsies so sleep is essentially optional and we're always ready for an adventure. I drove on past the sign and stopped at the next one. It was late and I was just taking my time getting home. I checked left and then right but lingered a bit on the right path. It was a little hard to see at first but upon a bit of inspection I could see what looked like the same two people but slightly closer to me, out of the light of the street lamp. Okay that's kinda bizarre, but it's probably just a coincidence. I know some people who like walks and the weather is pretty clear tonight, must just be two different groups of people enjoying the nice night. I edged forward and gently careened to the next stop sign. I was a little on edge because the odds of a coincidence like that were pretty low around where I live so I checked my right flank first. There they were. The same two people, just slightly closer than when I had last seen them. I'm a huge fan of horror. Horror movies, horror games, horror books, even the underappreciated genre of horror music. Because of this I didn't even bother looking left, I just floored it. I sped aggressively to the next stop sign and since it was so late and I didn't have to worry about traffic I kept my eyes trained to my right side to see if they would move closer yet again. I pushed the car down the straight and narrow asphalt pathway at a hearty 60-something quite a fast pace for a 25 miles per hour zone. As I approached the next intersection I saw, sure enough, that the two had moved closer yet again. There were two more intersection in this grid before I got to a main road so I just pushed my car for all it was worth, which isn't much considering it was a slowly dissolving Jeep Cherokee from 1995. Those final two intersections yielded similar results in the advancing girls department and once I reached the main road I turned down and settled to an acceptable speed. Since that encounter I've seen nothing of these girls but this paired with some other shit I've been through during my life is the reason I will unequivocally advocate for the existence of ghosts in one capacity or another. I tour in a band all over the country, so, 
Not a trucker per se, but I spent a ton of time on the road. I have two stories. First one, one Halloween night I was driving home from a gig in a sparsely populated area, not the woods but pretty close. I come around a corner and a woman in a sexy nurse costume comes out of nowhere. Literally seemed to burst from a bunch of bushes on the side of the road. I hit the brakes. She does that disjointed kind of walk akin to Silent Hill nurses across the street. I never saw her face, her hair was all crazy and covered it, also her clothes seemed. I guess ask you would be the most appropriate description. This lasted maybe 10 seconds. I thought she would let me in on the gag when she reached the other side of the road. Nope. She just jolted her way into a wooded area. I was freaked out and thought about driving away but something gave me pause, beside the obvious, there just wasn't something quite right. So I pulled over and yelled out if she needed help. No response. I called for another couple minutes and kind of walked the area where she went, no trace. So I drove off. No other houses looked like they had lights on, everything looked shut down. I was shook. Two days later I read an article in the paper describing how they found a woman's body matching the description of what I saw dead under a tree in the woods. I even called the police department and filed a report as being the last person to see her alive. There were some sketchy details with a domestic partner but no one really knows what happened to her. Second, like I said before, I tour all over the country for music. Me and my wife played a gig in Lafayette, Los Angeles but had to drive back to No La after, in the middle of the night for business-related reasons. We hit the road after midnight but before 1am. No one on the roads, super dark out. We took 10 back to No La. If you have ever been on this road you know that a good portion of it is a giant bridge over swampy weird lakes, 20 to 30 feet off the water. So a couple hours after leaving we were drive and chatting about stuff, talking about the gig, about the next day's events, act. I causally flicked the high beams on and we both went silent. M.E., did you see that? Wife, yes. Me, what do we do? Wife, keep driving. Faster. When I flicked the high beams we both saw a person climbing over the edge of the barrier on the side of the road. I'm Irish and was studying abroad in Arkansas. I dated a local fella and we could go for trips throughout that rural state. I remember we were driving near the Ozarks at night, I couldn't even tell you the nearest landmark, we were the only ones on the road. Eventually, a pair of headlights appear behind us, and the two of us start joking that it might be some serial killer. The jokes stop and soon the truck catches up, and begins to overtake us. Nothing unusual about that, except the windows were tinted black and in the rear window, there is a huge decal of a crucifix made out of hay. It was the most children of the corn shit I had ever seen. My name is Kale, and this is a story about the first time I saw a werewolf. It happened when I was a little boy, around 8 to 11 years old. I lived in Estonia, and I still do, with my stepfather, mother, older sister, younger brother, and our dog. We had gone to our summer home, a beautiful old house that my parents had bought, 
and we added new windows to it. One night, my sister and I wanted to sleep in a tent, so our stepfather set it up, and we spent the night there. I was a little nervous because I had heard that the forest near our house had bears, but my mother assured me that bears don't come close to humans. Well, she was right, but what I saw wasn't a bear. Around midnight, when my sister was sleeping, I had to go to the bathroom. I walked quite far from the house, and when I finished, I heard a howl and screeching. I looked around but didn't see anything. I thought it was in my head because I liked werewolves and wolves, but there were no wolves in our forest, at least as far as I knew. I had asked my mother about it. However, I felt like something or someone was staring at me, watching me. As I started to walk back to the tent, I heard a scream that still haunts me, a deer scream, but it sounded like it was drowning. After a few minutes, I heard rustling in the bushes. I looked toward a large bush about 50 feet away and saw an animal with red, yellow glowing eyes staring directly at me. I initially thought it was a neighbor's dog, but they lived a few miles away, and the dog wasn't as big. I was startled, thinking it might be a bear, so I didn't move because I knew you shouldn't turn your back to a wild animal. When I tried to walk away slowly backward, I stumbled on my foot, and that thing growled loudly. I couldn't walk away. I was frightened because I knew it wasn't a bear, bears don't growl like that. I stood there, and this thing continued to stare at me. I began to smell a rotten stench mixed with blood. It growled again with even more intensity. It felt like hours had passed, but then something incredible happened. The creature stood on its back legs, revealing its appearance. As a big fan of werewolves, I never thought I would encounter one. It was about eight to eight and a half feet tall with red-yellowish eyes, covered in fur. Its upper body had longer fur than the lower part, resembling a man but larger, with a tail and a wolf or German shepherd's head. The creature stared at me for more minutes and approached within five feet, sniffing me closely. It showed me its teeth by opening its mouth, revealing blood-covered teeth. I believe it sensed my fear because I was crying. Then, it turned around and walked toward the forest. Before disappearing into the woods, it turned around to look at me, as if checking if I was still watching, held its gaze, and ran into the forest. When it was gone, I finally got my body to move and walked back to my tent with my heart pounding. Once inside, I felt tears streaming down my face, unable to believe what I had just witnessed. I tried to fall asleep, and when I woke up in the morning, I wasn't sure if it was real or just an intense dream. It felt so vivid, and checking my foot revealed a wound from the previous night, confirming it was real. I haven't shared this story with anyone because I don't like it when people accuse me of making things up, but I saw it for real. Now that I'm older and have seen videos of true werewolf encounters, I believe I really did encounter a werewolf. I haven't seen any more of them, of course, but who knows. cruising through New Mexico near a town called Aztec. At the time there was a highway called 666. No joke. Well anyway I'm driving about 80 miles per hour, and I look to my right just checking things out, like the mirrors make sure nothing is dragging. Well I notice these red dots in the distance about 200 yards out. 
Well what was weird was that it looked like they were running, like eyes with a body. Can't really explain it how I knew those eyes were attached to head attached to some bipedal body. Well those red dots kept getting closer and closer to me. And no joke, there was this thing that looked human-like but it was elongated and pale. But not Pa Lee White dead, but pale grayish wearing some type of top hat with long hair and the most 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 evil smile I've ever seen. My friend and I have never experienced something like this before in our entire lives. Recently, my mom had to go to an old high school friend's birthday party. It was convenient for us to go because a family friend has a farmhouse we could stay at in Central Florida. My mom didn't feel comfortable going alone because the farmhouse can be really creepy at night due to the lack of light on the property and it just being in the middle of nowhere. So, I told my mom I would go with her as long as I could bring a friend. We get to the property and it is a huge 52-acre plot of land with cows, horses, and open fields with a tree line surrounding the land. We looked on a map to see exactly where we were and saw we were right next to two Native American forests. We unpacked our stuff and were able to check all of the property out because the owner had a golf cart type ATV. My friend saw a TikTok talking about skinwalkers and their Native American name and we didn't know any better so we were talking about them all day on all parts of the property. Later that night we saw a video talking about how even saying their name could provoke them to come. We immediately got kind of scared because we found out the party my mom was going to would be an hour away and we would be in the farmhouse at night all alone. As the sun started to set we quickly noticed that none of the windows on all four walls of the house had curtains. With the lights on in the house, you could only see your reflection from the inside but could see right in from the outside. As I said, the property had little to no light but some floodlights were motion activated on the back porch of the farmhouse. Just a quick description of the farmhouse, it was a one-bedroom one-bathroom house with a little living room and a kitchen. There were two doors, one leading out to the fields in the back and the other was directly attached to the horse stables which was more of a lounging area as there were tables and a bar with a giant flat screen. Okay so now we can get into the scary part of the night, my friend was putting away our dinner in the fridge and I went outside to smoke. As soon as I walked up to the table in the horse stable I heard something really close to me and ran back inside. As soon as I came back inside my friend asked if I knocked on the window. Of course, I had said no but my friend found that hard to believe as she definitely heard a distinct knocking at the window. This window is important to the story because the floodlights were right outside of it. I forgot to mention we had brought our dog and she was fine the entire day until it became dark out. When my friend and I were both inside we just brushed it off until the floodlight outside the window turned on and my dog bolted to see who was there. My dog sat there and barked at the window but when we went to go check there was nothing there. No both of us really needed a cigarette so we both decided to go outside and give it one more try. My friend stepped outside and looked to her right, I was confused and told her we should stay in the stable so we walked to a table. As soon as we sat down there were another two knocks on the other side of the building. We got up and sprinted towards the house where we locked ourselves in and where my friend told me she heard whispering coming from the right as soon as we stepped out of the house. 
At this point, we were really freaked out and the dog had begun to start barking at the same window again where the light turned on once again to nothing there. The only comfort we could get at this time was calling my friend's parents and some of our friends. However, after a short 10 minutes of us talking to people our service cut out and both of our calls failed. We couldn't text anyone either and this really scared us because we hadn't had a problem with our service the entire day. We once again tried to relax and put on a movie but that's when we heard something jump on the roof. And walk above the room we were in. My friend and I immediately leapt up and ran to the bathroom, we didn't know what to do but at this point, I thought our best bet was to run to the car, which was at least 40 feet away, and get off the property until my mom and the owner could come back. We grabbed our stuff still hearing whatever was on the roof walk around to where we moved in the house. As soon as we got to the door my friend pushed me and said listen which is when we heard two knocks right at the door we were standing in front of. It then ran towards the back of the house where all of the floodlights on the back porch went on. The dog was going crazy and my friend and I were on the verge of tears. I told her we had to run to the car and get out of there which we did. As we were running we could hear something on the roof of the stables almost as if it was following us to the car. We sped off and sat at a parking lot two miles away for two hours until my mom and her friend returned to the property. They escorted us back in and as we were all walking through the stables to get to the door of the house there was another knocking in the stable. The owner said she heard it and went to go check what it was but saw nothing. Something my friend and I had noticed was that the sounds of the crickets were back again. When we left the house earlier that night there wasn't a sound that could be heard other than whatever was on the roof. My mom ended up sleeping there at the house but my friend and I were traumatized. We felt as though the farmhouse was peaceful again as soon we got back cause we didn't feel any of the negative energy we were feeling earlier that night. We were too scared to even sleep so we both sat in the bathroom on the floor apologizing for whatever we might have offended. We honestly don't know what this could have been but we don't want this post to get taken down for it being framed as a question. We have come to a conclusion of our own on what it was but thought it would be interesting to hear other people's thoughts. In March 2017, it was 2.30 am, and another night of not being able to sleep due to back pain. I was lying on my side reading when my very close by neighbor's motion detector lights turned on. This happened from time to time, and when it turns on, it lights up the entire side of my house. We have lived here for 9 years, and I have never once seen anything walk past my bedroom window at night. Since I was facing my large bedroom window, the very bright motion detector light going off caught my attention. I looked up and saw the silhouette of a dogman. I said, holy crap. It was walking past my bedroom window. I saw from mid-shoulder up, the shoulders were huge, and its head was humongous. It had pointed ears like a German Shepherd dog and a very long snout. Its mouth was slightly open, and I saw a large tongue that seemed to be alone to the side of its mouth. When I saw this creature and spoke those words, I swear that thing slowed down, smirked, and then kept going. That's all I saw that night. Last week, though, while in my bedroom again, I heard something huge land on the ground behind my bedroom wall. That wall has no windows. 
I heard deep, really, really deep, kind of raspy breathing. I started praying, pleading the blood of Jesus over my house, grounds around it, and all. I do this most nights, but sometimes I forget. I'm awake most nights until 3 a.m. Or later due to severe spinal issues and fibromyalgia. We live in a lovely manufactured home community with lots of trees around and it's very close to canals, large open fields, and a lot of woods. I know this is what I saw, but the fact that I saw it has left me amazed. Why is it that when so many are also seeing them? I guess I just thought since I am in the house most of the time due to my health, I would never see them. The space between my neighbor's house and ours is about 10 feet. My husband went outside weeks later, once I got the courage to tell him this had happened, and measured the area by the window. That dog man had to be at least 8 feet tall. What concerns me greatly is that no one in the police department or government will alert people to their existence. People are walking around feeling a false sense of security. I know I did. I won't even try to walk outside anymore, and yes, I have cautioned my neighbors, the ones with the security light. I can't think of any other details right now, but it's important for you to know that several years ago, a homeless woman was camping out down by the river here in Albany. She was found dead, and her tent was really torn up. I believe the police report in the newspaper said she was torn up as well, but I honestly can't remember any of the details to be specific. To the best of my knowledge, no one was ever caught for that crime. This is a sleepy town with well over 50,000 people. We no longer get the newspaper, so I have no idea if this happened again. I do know that a couple was down by that same area and saw a dogman. It really frightened them badly. I heard about that on another YouTube channel. I just want people to be aware so they don't go out at night anymore, especially near the river. But then, we're not near the river, and I saw one in the middle of the night. Thank you for reading this report and doing all that you do. So this happened a few nights ago on Saturday, August 28, 2021 in British Columbia, Canada. I'm not entirely sure if what I encountered was a skinwalker, but here goes. I live in a small to medium-sized town, not a large city, in a suburban neighborhood that's situated close to the Fraser River. Everything around here is mostly woods, and there's also a large forest service road system a few blocks away that goes quite far into the bush. A little bit more about my immediate area around my home, sorry, it helps to understand where everything is. There is a little park across from my house with a small playground and a paved path that goes about 0.4 kilometers until it meets up with the main road. Down the hill from there, there's a newer housing development area that has a large cleared area, previously bush, and a long gravel path that leads to a meadow and eventually the road. If you walk to the bush at the park across from my house and take a right in the woods, there's a narrow trail that's quite overgrown that pops you out at the start of the hill down to the new development. There's also quite a few trails within that section of bush at the park. About 100 meters away to the right of the hill is another park that connects to the forest service road system and endless bush. From the park across my house to the end of the meadow is about 1 to 1.5 kilometer in total. 
The meadow connects to a large gravel area across from a high school up a hill which is where this begins. Alright, so here's what happened. This was all later at night, around 11.30pm. Me and my girlfriend were in the gravel lot, in my SUV, across from the high school where we were talking and she eventually fell asleep as we had been walking around all day and the fair was in town. About 15 minutes after she was asleep I started to get an eerie feeling like I was being watched and had a feeling like we had overstayed our welcome. I didn't like it at all and always trust my gut when I get feelings like that, so I started to wake up my girlfriend. Just as she was starting to wake up, I heard what sounded like someone shouting, kinda like a hoo or ha, further away downhill into the meadow. I would have disregarded it, but it caught me off guard a bit since it sounded almost doubled, like the person had a chorus pedal or pitch shifter on their voice. It spooked me a bit because of that and I hadn't heard anyone yell like that before. I finished waking up my girlfriend, and we drove away from there into an elementary school parking lot down the road from the hill leading to the new development. I told her what happened and we joked about it being spooky and whatnot. I then looked up videos to try and find something that matched what I had heard, and skinwalker screams or vocalizations were what matched up most. Unfortunately I scrolled into the comments which mentioned that the further away the scream is, the closer it is to you. It spooked me for a moment, but chalked it all up to coincidence. For fun, we decided to drive down the hill to the new development as it's dark and spooky, it is woods on one side where the park is, and has a gravel turnaround for vehicles with a gate at the end where the gravel path starts. As we were going down the hill near the top, I got a very strange and uneasy feeling, almost like a slight panic, but it went away shortly after we got to the bottom of the hill. My girlfriend said she got the feeling as well, so we decided to turn around on a side street and leave. I decided to play some music that always helps take the scared feelings away from me, the Doom Eternal soundtrack, specifically Super Gore Nest, and put the pedal to the metal on the accelerator whilst going up the hill to make me feel more comfortable and like nothing could touch me. When we were about three quarters of the way up the hill, the feeling came back and hit us full force. The closer we got to the top where the trail comes out of, the stronger it got. The only way I can describe it is pure terror. It wasn't fear or dread, it was terror. We both had a physical reaction to it. We got intense chills, and we could feel the goosebumps on our skin all over our body. We both started to get choked up and teary-eyed, and I became short of breath for a minute. I must have gone from 60 km an hour up the hill, limit is 50, to 80 after cresting the hill, and it felt like if we stopped, we surely would have died. It was the most petrifying experience either of us have had, we didn't even see anything. I've driven past many animals at night from deer to bear to coyotes, etc. And have been outside walking home alone at night with a bear going through garbage cans at my neighbor's houses. I've dirt biked past a mama bear with cubs and mama moose, and I thought those were scary experiences. No scary experience I've had from a car accident when I was young to almost being hit four times doing road construction from dumb drivers can even come close the feeling I had that night. The Doom soundtrack turned from the feeling of being a badass into feeling like I it would be the anthem of my death. It was truly the most terrifying experience of my life. After getting out of Dodge, 
We went to a well-lit mall parking lot and calmed down for a bit, still shaken. I drove my girlfriend home, and had a very anxiety and fear-ridden drive home, as the park across from my house connects only 150-ish meters away from where the encounter took place. When I got home, I made sure everything was locked up tight, had a little bit of weed to calm down, and then went to bed while on video call with my girlfriend. That night around 3.30 to 3.45 am, I woke up and had a mild return of the panic feeling for around 5 minutes before falling back asleep. I dreamt of the experience the entire night. The next morning, my girlfriend told me she heard tapping on my window at around 3 am which made me shudder as my window is around 9 feet off the ground. I don't know what to make of the experience, and would appreciate some guidance into what this may have been. I've never liked walking in those woods alone as I always get a creepy feeling, but I'm definitely not walking to my house alone at night ever again. We're going to go back and drive there at night again to see if it happens again. Not sure if that's a stupid idea, but my curiosity about cryptids and the like has been piqued and I need to know what's lurking around here. Thanks for reading, and I'd appreciate any help or insight on what it may be. I was driving with my friend to his home in southern Arizona. We had to drive through several reservations, mostly had that I shouldn't look them in the eye or even pay attention. A couple hours into the drive only me and my friend, who was driving, were awake. I saw a man dressed all in tan leather and wearing a large, wide-brimmed hat standing by the road. I didn't listen to what my friend said and looked at it directly. Every couple of miles, I saw this same man always on the road, always looking at me. I got glimpses of his face sometimes, he appeared to have none. Eventually I shut my eyes until we got to his town because I was afraid. I didn't see anything further while we stayed there. We go back to the west just about every year. The last time we went, we spent a night in a town in the mountains where his family had a cabin and we got stuck in the snow. We called a towing company and a single man came to help us out. We talked at length with him, or at least I did. I recall him being native, with long black hair and wearing a tan suit, including an animal skin on his shoulders. No hat like the person I saw on the road, he was very friendly and wanted to eat dinner with us. We said no because we didn't have enough food for him and us. He offered to go buy us food and bring it back. We said no to this also. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Recently, my friends and I were talking about this day. They didn't see a native man. They claim that we were helped by a man with short, blonde hair and a southern accent. That he was wearing snow gear and never asked to eat with us. My friend asked me if I had seen anything unusual somewhere else and I told him about the man on the road. He told me that I saw a skinwalker and it was following me. I live on the east coast so he proposed that it only came looking for me when I was in the area. Since that encounter, I have almost constant dreams about. Going back to Arizona. What do you make about this encounter? Besides my one friend, no one else believes me. It creeps me out to this day. I went to Nevada a few weeks ago and had no incidents. We're supposed to go back to Arizona in the winter. I'm a little nervous. I was in Los Angeles at my mom's house while my friend was visiting our other friend who had just moved to Roswell, New Mexico. All of a sudden I got a text from Leah. She was very frightened and wanted to know if there were such things as aliens for real. She felt that something was gonna happen to her. She texted me everything that was happening to her as it happened and I could tell by the way she was typing her words that she was terrified and scared for her life. I became very frightened myself as I read her texts. I kept telling her to call me, but she wouldn't. She just continued texting and finally, she said she didn't want to call because they would hear her. Anyway, this is the story she told me about what happened to her that night. She was coming back from a late night Colin Hobbs, like 2 a.m., and she still had several miles to go to reach the house where she was staying in Roswell. She said she saw a light in the sky zoom past her from the front. Then suddenly she became aware of very bright lights behind her car that seemingly came out of nowhere but were following her car in very close proximity and resembled the headlights of a car except that there was no car visibly attached to them. It was as if the lights themselves were floating and following her. When she would speed up they would speed up very close to her car. When she would slow down they would slow down even more to the point where they were no longer close to her car anymore but they would stall way further behind so that she could still not get a good look at the vehicle behind the lights. Then she would speed up, to 100 miles per hour at one point because she was trying to see how far they would go to keep up with her and they were almost glued to her bumper at that point. They had no problem staying right along with her at that speed and yet they would not pass her. While she was driving very fast trying to shake the lights the inside of her car filled up with a noise that she could not quite put into words. She said it seemed to be coming from her purse beside her and it was a loud and terrifying sound unlike anything she ever heard before and she felt at that moment that they were trying to make her crash. She started noticing all the skid marks on the road that were going off the road in the same direction and how many there were. One after the other, like almost 30 sets of skid marks all within a one-mile stretch of road that she felt was designated for that purpose and she felt that it was intended for her to do the same. She got the idea that they were amused by her fear and that they could read her mind and that's why she was afraid to call me because she felt they would hear her. Almost as fast as the lights appeared they disappeared and she resumed her driving normally till she reached her friend's house. She was so scared she couldn't even get out of the car. Our friend had to come get her. She got very very ill the next day she couldn't get out of bed. She was terribly sick for two days. 
Before the incident occurred she was not one to really care too much one way or the other about other life forms and she bordered on disbelief in anything she had not seen with her own eyes. She now has a firm belief in alien life forms and she also believes that they were trying to run her off the road that night and that they had run several people off the road before, evidenced by the many skid marks that were veering off the road in the same direction in that one little mile stretch of highway. The other strange thing that happened was that when we were both discussing it a few days later we wanted to retrace the route that she took that night to try to determine where it had happened exactly and her latitude history for that little stretch of time was missing. We looked at all the records of the texts that we sent back and forth both on her phone and on mine. We both have Google Voice and it saves every text and phone call, yet there was no trace of any of the texts on either end. It was very strange. Then two weeks after this happened my daughter came to visit me in California. She had done a movie shootout in Roswell and she told me this story. She was shooting a movie about aliens and she wanted it on location in Roswell so she brought her equipment and crew members out to Roswell. They shot the scenes and ended up having to spend the night out there. So she went to the, redacted the hotel name, and paid for several rooms for herself and her crew members for the night. Upon going to bed she discovered, as did the rest of her crew members in each of their own rooms, that the bed mattresses and box springs were covered with massive blood stains and there was not a mattress or box spring in the whole hotel that did not have blood stains on it, for which they would not even offer an explanation. Why would the whole hotel be filled with mattresses covered with blood? Very scary. Needless to say, they left and will not be returning. When I was a teenager one of my best friend's girlfriends called my parents home looking for her boyfriend, my best friend. She reached my younger brother. When I got home from work my brother gave me the sketchy details of her call. She claimed at the time of the call, two policemen paid her a visit. My brother and a group of concerned friends were going over to her house to talk in person. I opted out, being tired from working a double shift. They left and I hit the sack. As I started to drift off I heard my side door slam open followed by the sound of someone falling or frantically shuffling down my basement stairs. That's where my room was, my room was the first door right across from the basement stairs, right as you entered the side door of my parents house. I didn't get out of bed but I called out to whomever was out there. I figured it was my brother coming back. Maybe he forgot something and he was running back into his room to get it. Which was the second door to my room. Whoever it was never came into my room. They ran right past and went into his bedroom. It was so clear. I even heard panting. Then I thought maybe it was my best friend, he would do that whenever he got into trouble or whatever. He wouldn't go home. He would always come straight to my parents' house. After getting no reply, I got up looked around, shut the side door, went back downstairs, and looked around in my brother's room. I didn't see anyone. About 20 to 30 minutes after that, my brother called me very upset. But by then I already knew, my friend was dead. In fact, I told my brother before he could finish his sentence. They found him in his girlfriend's car with a bullet hole in the center of his head and one through the palm of his hand, as though he tried to block the bullet. 
His murder has never been solved. The strange part, the next morning the police claimed they hadn't been to the home of the deceased's fiancé. They contacted the immediate family late that night. Going by the police report and what his older brother told us in a very accusing manner, forgive my digression but remember that scene in the movie Fire in the Sky, where Travis's older brother questioned Michael about Travis's whereabouts. It was eerily similar to that, just take it up a few notches. The times didn't match up whatsoever. At the time my brother received the call from her, taking in the eyewitness, he hit a fire hydrant on the witness's front lawn but he never saw anyone around the car or scene, account, his murder hadn't taken place. True story, glad there is a forum to get this off my chest. Summer of 2013 I'm driving a packed haul through a remote section of Navajo County with my 28-year-old daughter following in her car. Middle of the night, pitch black and the only radio station I could get was KTNN, the Navajo Nation, the DJ had been playing old school country but switched it up and suddenly the cab of the truck was filled with the otherworldly sounds of the Bear Creek singers. We had just passed the turnoff to the ghost town of Zenith. Nobody lives out there. It's just devoid of life. All I could see was the road illuminated by the headlights and that insane music filling my mind were doing about 70 and suddenly he was right in front of me. The next couple seconds goes like this, there, illuminated in the headlights is a figure on all fours walking across the highway directly in front of my speeding truck. In place of arms and legs this creature had four long sticks and the body was draped in a colorful Navajo-style blanket. No head, just those sticks moving back and forth slowly propelling him across the road in the middle of the night. I swerved the truck and just missed him, looked in the rear views and saw him in my approaching daughter's headlights. Then watched her car make the same last-second maneuver to avoid running him over. I was stunned and just kept driving reassured that she was still behind me, 30 minutes later we pulled up to her new digs in Snowflake, Arizona and her first words to me were what the F was that? For the record she is LDS and, almost, never swears. Since that night I myself have moved to Snowflake and driven that same lonely stretch of the 277 fairly often at night but never while listening to KTNN for fear of creating conditions that would result in a repeat of the incident. I inquired with my native friends up here and the only advice was don't tell that story anymore. So I still think gods, superstitions, and everything else is BS but will go to my grave believing native culture holds powerful secrets the rest of us don't understand. Skinwalkers are real, and apparently they like to mess with ignorant whites like me. Appreciate any feedback because like I mentioned our native friends won't discuss it with us and nobody believes me except my kid. Oh, and I'm now a big fan of native drum ceremonies, songs and music so something good did come out of this experience. Two weeks ago, me and a group of buddies were having a bonfire out in Kuna, Idaho. I was feeling down that night so I decided to unload my dirt bike and take a little night ride on some trails. I went alone and rode for probably 3 miles from the fire up on a hill. I sat up there for probably 45 minutes and I was 100% alone up there. There was nobody around. 
From time to time I would hear small laughter really close by. Sounded like two to three people. It wasn't constant. I would hear it every five minutes and it kept getting closer. I had that funny feeling that I wasn't alone after all. So I went to go start my bike and of course it didn't want to start. I was able to bump start it going down the hill and it did not want to stay running. I don't think it sat long enough for the engine temp to drop all the way back down. I had to keep revving it to keep it running trying to head back to the fire. The whole time I was really scared for no reason. I couldn't convince myself to go faster than 5 miles per hour which was strange because I always haul ass. I have a light bar mounted on my bike so I was able to see just fine. At first riding back, I thought I seen shadow figures in the corner of my eyes, but they would disappear. I made it back safe and nothing else happened, but I knew there was something out there that night. I didn't think much of it until I heard my buddies talking about skinwalker stories in that same area. People tell me I got extremely lucky that night. I don't know what to believe. Who knows what was out there with me that night. The laughter, my bike not wanting to run, the feeling I had, and the shadow figures are all things in common I saw from other stories. It was a strange night. If anyone on here is from Kuna, Idaho and knows anything about skinwalker encounters out there, feel free to reach out. My mom and my aunt live out in the suburbs with not much around them except for a horse farm and some woods. My mother lives on the first floor while my aunt lives on the second floor. They've lived in that house for three years. One day my grandmother broke down crying because she claimed someone was breaking into the house, stealing her things, misplacing items and leaving lights on. My aunt is a nurse and dementia runs in our family so she just assumed it was that. Regardless, my aunt installed cameras in the house to make my grandmother more comfortable and obviously, no one was breaking into the house. However, this year the indoor cameras caught the living room light turning on all by itself in the middle of the night. It even picked up movement and pointed itself towards the direction of the lamp. I chalked it up to faulty electricity. My aunt called an electrician, he checked everything out and said everything was fine. They ended up installing solar panels shortly after. Another time, my mom was shutting off lights and locking her doors for the night. When she woke up in the morning the bathroom faucet was running full speed. I thought it was weird but we just left it at that. Then, maybe five or six months ago the knocking started. My aunt and mom were very frightened because they're a house full of women with a young child and an older woman and it was only happening at night. They set up ring doorbell cameras and said if they heard it again they would call the cops for obvious reasons. Not too long after they heard knocking on my mom's door but saw no one on the camera. At this point I'm thinking it's the wind shaking the door and it's rattling the door creating a knocking sound. This October I went over to announce my pregnancy to my family. We were waiting on my cousin to show up. It was about 10 p.m. and we all heard a pounding on my mom's front windows, we're waiting towards the back of the house. I'm excited so I run to answer the door but his car is not there and he is not there. Looking back, my mom's two dogs did not bark nor follow me to the door as they usually do. I love those dogs but you could leave the room and they will start barking. So for them not to bark or even follow me to the door was weird. 
My mom checks the cameras and there's no one there. Not even a notification. My aunt who lives on the second floor has started hearing banging on her bedroom window and her front door. My mom continues to hear banging on her window and front door. It's always three knocks, some soft some hard and at different times throughout the day. Their cameras have yet to catch anything but many family members who have come to visit have witnessed the same knocking. Some side notes, I recently found out the house used to be an ambulance service. Before any of this creepiness started happening, when I would come to visit I would have strange lucid dreams. My mom and I have heard a pulsing noise in the middle of the night on several different nights. Recently my aunt's co-worker said whatever it is it's not good and out to get her three-year-old daughter. She said it was because they've been in the house for three years, she's three years old, the knocks always happen in threes. I don't know. Anyway, any thoughts as to what could cause this knocking? Skeptics are very very welcome. Thanks. Years ago my brother was seriously ill in the hospital. Naturally we were all sick with worry. My aunt and uncle were asleep in bed then the phone rang and woke them up. My aunt Liv answered and heard her aunt Joan say, Liv, it's not his time, then silence. Aunt Joan had been dead for at least 10 years. She had a really distinctive voice and Aunt Liv probably spoke with her daily while Joan was alive so I trust that she knew the voice on the phone. Aunt Liv checked the phone for caller ID, yep, 90s tech. The screen was blank and didn't show up in history. My uncle witnessed the whole thing so it wasn't a dream. And it wasn't my brother's time yet. Is this a common-ish experience? I was abducted by aliens in 1982. I was in the United States Navy at the time. I was aboard a ship, the USS San Bernardino which is a tank landing ship, and its number was 1189 and this guy was aboard the ship with me. I've known him since the first day I came on board the ship and he and I were like best of friends for 4 years. One night I was doing some work down in my space because in the medical field. So I was down there catching up on some paperwork and he came down to visit me and he told me that he had been abducted by extraterrestrials since he was 8 years old and I took it with a grain of salt. We had a conversation about it. He caught me by surprise when he told me he was abducted. And I'd known him for 4 years and this was the first time the subject ever came up. Now, this was on a Sunday night. Like I said, I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Now we were out at sea. We were on a West Pacific cruise which puts us on the other side of the world, you know, like between Japan and Korea, Singapore, Thailand, on the other side of the world. Now we weren't anywhere near California at this time. Our ship was a tank landing ship which is designed to go right up on the beach, the front ends open up and the marines can drive their jeeps and their tanks and all that off into a battle scene. We had been out to sea for a week at this time. And, like I said, this started on a Sunday night. Host Jimmy Church asked for his friend's name, I'll give you his last name, his name was Reich. R-E-I-C-H, spells it out. Like I said, I don't know exactly where we were because we had been out to sea for a week. 
All you could see was the ocean everywhere you looked. Now this was on a Sunday night and, like I said, I took it with a grain of salt. Now, Tuesday night, he came back down to my space because I was still doing some paperwork, you know, and he told me that his friends came and got him. I was like, oh really, that's nice. You know, because we were still out at sea. And I said, where'd they take you? He said, they took me to your house in Kankakee, Illinois and I was like, oh really, what did you see? So he started describing things to me that he saw and the more he was telling me, the more upset I was getting because I knew what he was telling me was absolutely fact. The only trouble was, it wasn't fact in 1982. The first thing he was telling me about was a 1966 Ford Galaxy fire that we owned and had a lot of detail about it including a chocolate milkshake stain that I had done in the backseat of the car. Well, we went to Dairy Queen, and, stupid me, I spilled my milkshake all over it and it stained the seat. And he's giving me that kind of detail. We bought the car in 1966 but we traded the car in 1973, sometime in 1973. Church asks him if he mentioned this to him sometime in the past. No, no. That's just it. And then I asked him what else he saw and then he started describing our living room furniture that we had which we had gotten rid of and gotten new furniture in 1968 or 69. I can't remember exactly what year. I knew the furniture that he was describing but it was not the furniture that we owned in 1982. I was getting more and more upset. I figured the CIA couldn't even have that much information on me, with that kind of detail. So I asked him, where did you get all this? And he said, I just came from your house like 15 minutes ago. And I knew that. The thing is, Jimmy, I knew what he was talking about was true and I also knew that it wasn't today. You know, that day. The particular day that this was happening. So I asked him, how did you know this? And he said, my friends. I said, well, if you're telling me the truth, I want to meet your little green friends. And he said, I don't know for sure if you can or not, but I'll talk to them. I'll let you know. So, it was a couple of days later, he came back down in the space and he told me, yeah, I talked to them and they said you can meet them. And I said, really, when? And he said, you'll find out. And so it was the next day. Well, he told me, they are here. And I said, where? He said, up on the main deck. So I go up on the main deck and I see this star. That's the only way I can describe it to you. It was a star. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. It was shining every single color of the rainbow, all the way through it, all around it. And it was star-shaped. And I thought to myself, this could be the star of Bethlehem. I really thought that. It was beautiful. It was as bright as the sun but it didn't hurt my eyes. Two guys were standing in front of me. They were having a conversation and I was trying to get their attention. It was about the same altitude as a jetliner flies, you know, 30 to 35,000 feet and it was about, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, 3 to 3 and a half miles wide, 2 to 2 and a half miles tall. You basically have to be blind not to see it. And these guys are having a conversation next to me and I grab this one guy next to me and I start screaming and jumping up and down and yelling. 
I just want this guy to see it as a witness and I got a death grip on him and I'm shaking him as hard as I can. And he just doesn't even respond to me. Jimmy asks how many sailors were on the ship and how many guys were on the deck. About 240. This wasn't at night. That was around 11.30 in the morning. I just saw the two. I don't know how many that were on there but neither one of them saw it. They never responded to me. They didn't even respond. I got a death grip on him and I'm shaking him as hard as I can and he doesn't even respond to me and I guarantee you, Jimmy, you're standing in a crowd and somebody grabs you by the shoulder and starts shaking you, you respond. I blink and now I'm on their ship and I'm looking down and I can see my ship and then we did a flyby and I saw myself on the ship shaking this guy, jumping up and down. And now, I don't know if they. As soon as I got on the ship, my first thought was, my god, this can't be happening. And as soon as I thought about it, a voice came into my head and said, yes it is Kevin. This is what you wanted. And my second thought was, as we were doing this flyby of the ship and I saw myself, I said to myself, I'm AWOL. So then, as soon as I thought, I was AWOL, a second voice came into my head and said, they don't even know you're a gone. That's exactly what they said. And then it just went from there. He goes on to say about how he actually wrote the entire event down, about 30 pages, describing each detail and sent it to George Nury back in 2010. They took me to the future and they took me to the past and everything was telepathically. They told me, that some of what you see is yet to be. Some of what you see has already happened. And they took me back to Kankakee. I saw myself walking out of my house, talking to my grandmother who died in 1972. And then, at the end of it, it was 20 or 25 minutes, they were showing me different things. They were showing me Armageddon type things. Things that I didn't want to know. Things that I don't even want to know. Church asks what year was this, I have no idea. They didn't tell me what year they were taking me. The last thing I saw was, that I was riding a motorcycle and I got hit broadside by a car and I was lying next to the bike. Now everything they showed me only lasted about 7 to 10 seconds, just enough time for me to realize what I was looking at and now I'm looking at something different. And this lasted about a half an hour. And then, the very last thing they showed me was the motorcycle accident and I'm laying next to it and I'm not moving or anything and I thought they showed me how I'm going to die. And that motorcycle accident happened on my 2003 Harley Davidson and for 15 days I was knocked out. Of course, I didn't know I was knocked out when I saw it, I thought I had died. So for 21 years, I thought I knew how I was going to die. Church asks him to describe the ship, the beings, etc. The first thing I saw when I got on board everywhere I saw was light light screens. I could see the things that they were showing me and stuff like I was looking through a window. It didn't matter, like in my peripheral vision all I could see was solid and it was white on the inside of the wall but if I turned my head, I was looking right out through that area. See but in my peripheral vision, it was solid. And when this all ended, I realized that I was standing down a metal grate. You know, like a fire escape grate. And it was grey, like battleship grey and I was standing above another level. And I was with them for about 40 minutes before I finally got to look at them. 
Church asks how long he was with them for, for about 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, you know. I thought I could handle it. And when I was with them, I asked them, are you gonna eat me? And they told me, you watch too many horror movies. Which really isn't true because I haven't seen that many. I didn't ask them to define that. That was their response when I asked them if they were gonna eat me. They said, no, you watch too many horror movies. And then I asked them what they looked like and they said, we are not little and we're not green. And you want to talk about an understatement, when I finally got the courage up to turn around and look at them, they were 12 to 15 feet tall. Church asks what happened when he got back, when I came back I was lying on my rack. I sit up in my bed and something is off. My uniform, my dungaree uniform was just soaked to the skin with sweat. And I was hyperventilating. And I thought, oh God, this has just been a dream and then I turned to get out of my rack and my friend was standing there. He's got this ear-to-ear -ear grin and he goes, mocking up a sinister sounding voice, tell me about your ride, Kevin. I never talked to him after that. I avoided him like the plague. I thought he was one of them. It all started on one random day when I was 14. I picked up a call from an unknown number. Hello? I was met with some silence, and then a feminine voice spoke, is this, a name similar to mine? By similar, I mean the similarities between Layla and Lily, similar names. I responded, are you sure you want, a variation of my name? She giggled, and no matter what I asked or said, all she did was laugh. Thinking it was a prank, I hung up. However, she called again and again, to the point where I eventually blocked her. Normally, I could see the number of times a blocked number called me as missed calls. In the span of 30 minutes to an hour, she called me 60 times. Every single day, I had over 100 missed calls from her. No matter how many times I blocked her, she would call from a different number, and all she did was laugh and breathe into the phone. I even had other people pick up, and some screamed at her to leave me alone, but all she did was laugh. For a whole year, I was terrorized by her phone calls and her never-ending laughter. Why not change phone numbers, right? My number was given to me by my dad during the divorce, and at that time, I barely ever saw him. I treasured the number he gave me and refused to give it up because of that girl. 